Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right. Welcome, Puget Sound. Welcome, Seattle. And welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your master mixologist, and uh, Baron of Brewski's uh, weekend wine guy right now. It's Saturday at 6 o'clock all around the Puget Sound, and thanks for joining us. Uh, so excited about today's show, as I am every show, every Saturday at 6 p.m., right here on 570 KVI. I've got Julene Perry, who is, uh, well, she's a, um, a food and wine enthusiast. She's got uh, some a cool gig. She does one night only. It's a chef event. It's it's kind of a, a vagabond, um, sort of uh, an oasis of culinary delights as she pops in, creates this event, and then um, vanishes into, into radio air. I also have uh, my pal Jake Kossif, who is advanced sommelier as well. He's uh, a partner in the cool restaurant down the street. It's called Miller's Guild, and we're going to chat about uh, great wine, great food, and of course, their new hit Sunday meals. It's called Butcher Block Sundays. So um, excited about that and uh, if you want to get out and about of course in the world of wine uh, check out uh, April 29th this Wednesday uh, Sexy Syrah at Salty's uh, head over to uh, Salty's in West Seattle and you have a chance to taste really a lot of great wine um, great Syrah and some good food and of course the, the beautiful view at Salty's on Alki check out SeattleUncorked.com and uh, you get your tickets there it's a, it's a great deal and it's a great benefit as well and if you're looking ahead uh, check out the Celebrity Waiters Luncheon and Charity Auction I'll be there. It's Friday, May 8th over at the Fairmont Hotel. Uh, we're making, uh, raising a lot of money for the Millionaire's Club. The Celebrity Waiters Luncheon and Charity Auction, Friday, May 8th at the Fairmont Hotel. But right now, it's my pleasure to welcome uh, Jake Kossif to Happy Hour Radio. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? <laughs> I am excited. It's a beautiful evening here in uh, lovely Seattle in our studio, and we've got some beautiful wine in front of me, but let's talk about you. Let's talk about, uh, well, Jay Kossif, the, the man from Wisconsin, is now here in Seattle. Talk about your restaurant career, what you've done in Seattle. Um, I rolled into Seattle about 16 years ago, and worked for a restaurant for two days that um, somebody might remember called Umberto's. They they hired me from Wisconsin and I came out to the job and got here and I couldn't get them to answer my calls. And uh, finally, I walked down to the restaurant and they had, uh, they had, sorry, we're out of business signs on the windows. So that was my auspicious start to the Seattle restaurant scene. Um, they closed the doors on you. <laughs> I guess they didn't want me to work there. It seems like an extreme solution to the problem. But uh, after that, I rolled around a little bit and uh, just checked out the restaurant scene, figured out what was going on in Seattle, got to know the city, drove around up and down the coast, and eventually landed at Cascadia Restaurant with Chef Kerry Sear, where I was the wine director. And we put together a really fun list that focused on Northwest wines and the best of the rest of the world so a little bit of burgundy a little bit of bordeaux of course some california cabernets and stuff like that and we snuck in 
delicious white wine from Austria and lots of champagne. Mm-hmm. I remember the champagnes over there at uh, Cascadia. And that restaurant was on First Avenue by Bell. First and Bell? First, uh, just off of Bell. It wasn't quite on the corner, but uh, we were in a beautiful space that was designed by Tim Gervin, who's still around. Oh, yeah. And it's still one of my favorite restaurant spaces. High I've ever ceilings in. and tall windows. Yeah, thirty-five foot ceilings and windows all the way up to the ceiling and big cantilevered uh, cedar wood planks coming out That's everywhere. Right. I remember that a lovely place and a lovely space. Uh, so Cascadia. Then you went on to where? Um, after Cascadia, I was the wine director at Campania Cafe Campania for quite a long time. That's right. Got got my stint in at another restaurant on First Avenue that started with a C, and I kind of tried to stick to that for a while. <laughs> um, and also sort of a Seattle institution that was fun because I got to see what everybody in Seattle who's anybody in the restaurant business says they've worked at Campania at some time. So I got to add that to my to my list of places I got to have fun in. Well, Daisley Gordon, a uh, cool cat. I was reading about Daisley Gordon in... Um, uh, Ron Holden's new book, 101 True Tales of Local Food and Drink, and he was chatting about, I think, what did I read about Daisy Gordon? He was an apprentice chef for um, some uh, some French guys, I think, or uh, interesting history, which I thought was unique, because I didn't know that about Daisy at the time. Yeah, that story is 100% true. He's an apprentice chef for some French guys, came and worked his way up from basically the bottom at Campania and took over from... Um, he took over from from Jim as chef, I think, and from Jim Droman, and did a great job with Campania and Cafe Campania. Now he owns Cafe Campania. Wow! Um, and he's one of the nicest guys I've ever worked with. That's awesome, and uh, it's so exciting. So interesting enough, because I know that uh, Campania had uh, closed its doors, or Marquet at the time, right? It's, it's it's so. There's a little history here. We've got Umberto's, and we got Cascadia. <laughs> I'd like to point out that I hadn't started at Umberto's yet, and I was long gone from Campania, okay? <laughs> of course. We we ch- we kid you. Uh, speaking with Jake Kossoff, who was uh, so many extraordinaire, and just uh, was telling me off air that he was just in Texas doing a little wine tasting. Let's talk about what makes great wine, because you, uh, you obviously know, and you get invited to travel the world uh, and down to Texas and, and do one of the largest wine competitions in the United States. Uh, that took place uh, last month, I believe, wasn't it? And um, tell us, well, you, what was great about this Texom International? It used to be the Dallas International Wine Competition. All right, two different questions. What's great about the Texom International Wine Competition is, is they, uh, much like uh, much like some of the competitions in Seattle, they bring in some of the best people in the world to judge the wines, and they get some of the best wines in the world. The Texom International Competition has uh, 4,891 entries this past year, so the biggest biggest year ever for them. Basically, the result of that is a room the size of two football fields filled with wine that's all open waiting to be judged. And lots of great wines there from the most famous Bordeaux and Burgundies all the way down to wines from Texas you've never heard of before. Um, So that was a lot of fun. Um, But what makes a wine great is way more interesting than a couple of events about wine. And I don't know if I know the answer. Uh, it tastes good is the first part. Mm-hmm. But it's more than that. There are wines that taste good that you don't remember. 
and then there's wines that taste good that uh, you absolutely right. remember. And I think the reason that you remember some wines as opposed to others is that they have more to them. There's more, not just more power, because some delicate wines are beautiful and haunting, but they have complexity. They have layers of flavor. They have something about them that's unexpected, but unexpected in a wonderful way. I like that response. That's a great answer because some wines just taste good, but they're somewhat uh, uh, unmemorable, but they're just like a, a piece of candy. Oh, yeah, I had that. and It was just what I thought it would be. But a wine that sticks with you or um, that flavor in that moment and uh, what's in the glass. And I think a lot of times the, the what surrounds the glass, where you are and who you're with and what you're eating and sort of enhances that moment. Well, that's the other thing. And you can't you can't reproduce that in a competition or in a formal tasting setting, which is how, how it, what's the situation you're in, sort of almost the, the terroir of drinking the wine, which is the people that you're with, the conversations you're having, the mood you're in, uh, what happened the day before, whether your um, kid got kicked out of school or just graduated from college. And I guess that's a way of getting kicked out, right? <laughs> Graduate. Don't let your kids drink wine. This is only for adults. Uh-huh. But all those things are important, but my job isn't to create the environment you drink the wine in. Well, in the restaurant, I guess I do a little bit, but my job is to figure out wines that are going to be great regardless of the environment. And that's where, you know, tasting carefully, remembering what I've tasted, and searching for stuff that people might not try otherwise is important. It's up to you to bring people who will have good conversations with you and be enjoyable. <laughs> yes, agreed. It's uh, your table mates <laughs> or your, your own uh, uh, appraisal and demise. So um, speaking of great wine, I've got uh, a glass of white and a glass of red. Let's talk about uh, these two great wines because I've already put my nose in them and I'm totally impressed. I know that I've had these wines before, but I know our listeners haven't, and let's chat about them. So we are tasting two Burgundies from the 2010 vintage. They're both produced by Eveningland Vineyards, which is a winery that has a partnership with one of the two or three most famous producers in Burgundy named Dominique Lafond. And they make gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous wines that that we love at Miller's Guild. Uh, Today we're drinking a white from the village of Oxydures, and we're drinking a red from Von Romanet. And they're both not the most refined Burgundies. They're not from single vineyards, but they're from a selection of vineyards in these villages. And the whites are made from Chardonnay, the reds from Pinot Noir. And what's special about these wines, besides that they're made by someone famous, which might not be special if they don't taste good, is that they, they're they very pretty wines. They have lots going on. They're not so powerful that you can't taste the food you're having with them. And in fact, they're they're great compliments to food, which is why I brought them. They're wines that we're serving with our Sunday night butcher block dinners that uh, we do every Sunday night in the restaurant. But um, Tasting this wine, and I love, of course, Chardonnay, and Chardonnay is probably the number one planted white grape around the world. Uh, and its home is truly in uh, the Burgundy region of France, uh, as well as perhaps um, some areas around Napa, California, and Sonoma. Um, but this wine, uh, you, you say it's, it's ethereal. White Burgundy can be ethereal, and I think you have a selection here of 2010, which was a, um, a great vintage uh, for Burgundy, uh, for white and red. And this wine has um, subtle complexity, um, just a hint of vanilla, but mostly this apple and citrus note here on the wine with a great finish. Yeah, it's the 
the idea and beyond even the flavors, you know, the sort of the spices and the fruits and things like that, but is how complete the wine tastes. It's got it's got something in each of its places. There's no part of drinking it that doesn't feel full, even though it's not a it's much more delicate wine than, say, a California Chardonnay would be. The, the The beauty of California Chardonnays is sometimes that they're so rich and so powerful. Whereas this wine, the beauty of it is it's very delicate, like a like a silk dress blowing in the wind or something like that. Mm, I like that picture. Well, it's interesting too because when you say it's not, it's a there's a lot of flavor here, but it's not a full wine. Um, it's not a heavy wine. It's like deep dish pizza versus thin crust. The thin crust pizza, that just nice little pizza, can be. Tantalizing and delicious, and so satisfying without the heaviness and the weight. Whereas deep dish can be like, "Wow, this is really good," but I'm I'm going to crash after it. Uh, love this wine, uh, Evening Land. <laughs> Evening Land is uh, um, 2010. So this is available at at your butcher block, uh, your Sunday butcher block meals at Miller's Guild. So this is always available at the restaurant. We've got it on the list, and the white is reasonable $75 bottle the red's about $85 but for the butcher block Sundays we wanted to do something special we wanted to thank all of our customers who come in all the time especially the locals who live in our neighborhood downtown and so we're offering uh, this selection of wines for $25 along with your big piece of meat and lots of delicious vegetable meal that we've set up for you well, these uh, uh, you know, burgundies are probably some of the most famous food wines in the world. Of course, because you have the white and you have the red, and um, unlike Tuscany, you don't have much white in Tuscany. So we always think about Chianti and even the bigger Super Tuscans. But here, uh, beautiful acidity. It's clean, um, c- complex, and it has a great enough flavor here to balance with the food. And, and we're going to chat about your Butcher Block Sundays, which is over at Miller's Guild. And, and that me, that program is starting, and uh, it starts uh, last week, but it's actually going strong, right, uh, starting tomorrow? Yeah, so every Sunday night, we've got a selection from the kitchen of one animal of the chef's choice that came in that the chefs butcher for us that, that evening. And so uh, last Sunday's dinner, we had a whole lamb from uh, a farm on, on, uh, in the San Juan Islands. Uh, next week, we'll have uh, Landrock Farm suckling pig. Wow. And so you get a selection of different parts of the pig that have been grilled and served with some just a little bit of sauce. But Or you can have prime rib, or uh, right now it's halibut season, so I'm guessing we'll have big pieces of halibut as choices as well. (laughs) You've tantalized everybody, so I want to stick around. We'll get back to this beautiful menu on Happy Hour Radio. Lars Larson has the real story. Weekdays, 6 to 9 p.m., only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Talk Radio 570 KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. So excited to have Julene Perry, who's uh, one night only uh, chef programs. We're going to chat about that. Uh, and I've got my friend Jake Kossoff, who is a partner in Miller's Guild Restaurants and chatting about Suckling Pig and Butcher Block Sunday. So, Jake, you had my mouth watering. Thank goodness I have uh, this beautiful wine to pair with uh, these beautiful thoughts I have about Butcher Block Sundays. <laughs> Tell us about Miller's Guild Butcher Block. So the original idea behind Miller's Guild was uh, beef, butchery, and booze. Uh, 
So Chef Jason Wilson and I were thinking when we started the restaurant that we wanted to have a place that we served big pieces of meat cooked on the grill. We had awesome things to drink and we had the best steaks in town. We've done all those things, but we wanted to do something on Sunday nights for the people in the neighborhood that was a little bit less expensive, that was fun, that kind of fostered people chatting across the tables with each other, asking what they'd had to eat, and just got a more family neighborhood kind of feeling in our downtown restaurant. So after thinking about it a lot, we said, why don't we do the things we set out to do? Let's just do them a little bit more directly. So we knew we had to have a steak on, and after a lot of talk, we found these beautiful, beautiful whole prime ribs. So we bring in whole prime ribs on Sunday night. We slice them into steaks, so they're beautiful boneless ribeye steaks. We figure out what the best whole fresh fish that we can get in that evening is. And then we talk to all of our farmers, and we use farmers from all over the Northwest and up and down the West Coast, and figure out who's got some sort of fun whole animal, like whether it's a suckling pig from Landrock Farms or a San Juan Island lamb, or I don't know, we haven't tried anything else yet, but I'm guessing that there's going to be even more exciting stuff coming. We've got a farmer who wants to start uh, dry-aging lamb, so we're thinking about that. Oh, interesting. We've got all sorts of neat opportunities, and the idea with is that there's something for everyone. So there, you can have fish, you can have lamb or pig or some other animal, and you're going to get lots of different parts of it because we're taking the whole animal and cooking it up that night. So you might get one rib and a piece of the leg and a little bit of the loin, or you might get a little bit of uh, um, pate made from made from the cheeks. You might get... Uh-huh. just depends on what the chefs uh, come up with that day to make with the animal. Or you can have prime rib, and nobody is unhappy with a nice, juicy piece of grilled prime rib sitting in front of them. Well, that sounds delicious. I bet we have some people uh, making some great prime rib at home tonight. Uh, at 6 o'clock, the hour, it's a happy hour radio, and chat with Jake Kossoff of Butcher Block Sundays and Miller's Guild. So Miller's Guild, just for everyone to know, is down on... Stewart Street. We're at 612 Stewart in the historic Hotel Max. I, I like that. That's a cool place. And uh, a great building, that fire roaring. I mean, When I was there last, people were taking pictures of the fire. That's pretty neat. That You've become a new Seattle sort of uh, iconic restaurant with, with just that setup. Well, thank you. I like, I like the idea of being a new iconic restaurant in Seattle, but our main goal is just to cook really good food on the grill and give people nice meals and maybe serve them a nice bottle of wine. And you've got some great wines here. The Eveningland Vaughn Romanet and the Eveningland Oxydores is uh, two wh- uh, white wine and a red wine from Burgundy. But So I'm looking at this menu for Butcher Block Sundays. And what time does this start on Sundays? So this starts at 5 p.m. on Sundays and lasts until 10. So you can walk in and order. It just It's just really a special menu for Sundays. It's, so this is in addition to a regular menu on Sundays. But the idea is for $48 a person, you get... A nice big salad, your choice of one of those delicious meats I just described, and then a bunch of sides. Um, last time, last weekend, we did roasted marbled potatoes with mustard creme fraiche. Uh, 
an egg strata and sautéed greens with garlic butter. Next week we might do Brussels sprouts, asparagus, and curried cauliflower. But the idea being it's a big, hearty, delicious meal that fits our style, which is big food. Well, butcher block. When you ever seen a butcher block, it's a big piece of yeah. uh, kitchen equipment. <laughs> and we do, and we do serve the meat on a wood cutting board just to sort of fit in with the theme because it kind of looks cool. Another thing, so basically this is a, uh, a three-course menu with a couple sides and you've got a choice of desserts as well. And then you, So some of these desserts look fantastic. Chocolate bourbon with salted chocolate bourbon cake or what is that? It's chocolate bourbon cake, yeah. We, we sometimes let the chefs write the menus and they don't always get all the words in. <laughs> or is it just chocolate and bourbon which would probably work too? I think maybe next week we'll do chocolate and bourbon just for you. I think that sounds delicious. It does. Then a salted caramel ganache. Um, you got a little carrot cake, which uh, I hate that carrot cake. Uh, white chocolate cream cheese frosting. Man, this is uh, decadent. And then coconut cake. In that coconut cake, someone's really famous in town for making coconut cake. It's really tall. They're famous for making coconut cream pie. Oh, right. And great chef, great restaurants, but are coconut cakes better? <laughs> Uh, I love coconut. I'm a nut for coconut, and uh, that sounds delicious. So, uh, again, it's Butcher Block Sundays over at uh, the Hotel Max. It's the Miller's Guild restaurant. It's on the main floor. Uh, great windows, great seating. And this happens at a large table, right? Can you order this at a little deuce, or do you, you have to sit at the table? Order this anywhere you want in the restaurant. At the bar, even, right? You can order it at the bar. You can stand up in the middle of the dining room and order it if you want, although I don't recommend it because it's hard to hold the Butcher Block and eat. Yeah, and with your plate and your fork and the, that. I look. What I liked about your restaurant, too, is you got these huge linens for napkins. I think that gives you this great comforting feel is that, you know, you, this isn't just paper plates and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the huge napkins is because the food is big and it's messy. It's not, we're not making delicate, fancy food that's a little portion of, a little dollop of sauce on a giant white plate. Usually our food kind of fills the plate up that you're sitting on, and that, that was something that Jason and I really felt strongly about is we wanted to have a place where you walked away full. I like that. And, and again, you do walk away full because it's uh, great portions, which I think is important for a family-style meal because when you bring uh, your spouse, your partner, or a couple other friends down, it's like you're, you're passing along. And the food is so good, you end up uh, dining well at the Miller's Guild. Well, and you know my wife, she eats more than I do, so it's important that we have big portions for family-style meals. And you got these these wines on special, so the Evening Land wines are will be on the menu for a while. You've got uh, this great white burgundy and a great red burgundy. Yeah, so we'll feature the Evening Land wines as long as I can, and I'll probably last for four or five months, and then we'll find something else really cool, and we'll do it for $25 a bottle, because we want you guys to be happy and drink well. That's amazing price. I mean, that's uh, that's the lost leader of, of wine programs here, and uh, I don't want to say lost, because it's our gain. It's truly a, a benefit. I mean, a whole bottle of white burgundy for 25 bucks that's screaming. Yeah, it's... It's the idea was to make this be too good to resist. It's is way too good to resist, and I, I've enjoyed. Uh, I was down there for the media dinner uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Butcher Block Sundays uh, available on Sundays, of course, at Miller's Guild from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. It's a set menu. Well, not really a set menu, but a three course menu where you get to choose. You get to be uh, the maitre d and pick uh, either prime rib or grilled rockfish or suckling pig, a host of sides. Of course, it all starts with a beautiful salad, and uh, that was a really tasty salad. I like the vinaigrette they had. I think it was a, 
uh, Dijon vinaigrette or something. It was mustard or we did that that weekend that you came in. We had a lemon mustard vinaigrette that was one of my favorite dressings that we make. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. So it was quite impressive. The sides sound fantastic. Roast sunchokes with Marcona curry, uh, beets and fennel and kale tossed in an orange glaze. I mean, these are fantastically delicious um, flavor profiles. I mean, you've got beets, you have fennel, you have kale, and a little bit of orange. Another finally asparagus with red wine, onions, and roast garlic. Now that's a hearty and satisfying uh, triumvirate of flavors there. Of course, the desserts, uh, I love it. So, And it's all it's meant to share, which makes it more fun. Doesn't it? <laughs> We're trying to have fun. I mean, whether you have fun, it's up to you. If you like the people you're with, you're more likely to. Well, I do like the people I'm with today. This is a treat. I've got Julian Perry in studio and Jake Kossov. Uh Your title at uh, Miller's Guild, sir? I am the manager partner. The manager partner. All right, not the partner manager. I like that. Uh, it's there's there's a partner manager too, but that's different responsibilities. And then and then partners with a couple of people, but the other person who works in the restaurants, Chef Jason Wilson, who also owns Crush and um, contributes some of the great food that we have to the restaurant. Uh, it's a great team. Uh, you guys are a uh, well, superstars in the biz, and it's so excited about. Miller's Guild, open seven days a week for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, correct? That's right. We're there all the time. All the time. Well, you've, uh, you're have you now married to Mr. Miller's, <laughs> whoever that is, uh, at the restaurant. And um, your cocktail program is, is pretty outlandish uh, and classic, but um, you know, you've got some, some homemade cocktails in barrels. Is that right? We actually, instead of aging cocktails in barrels, we age our own spirits. So we'll, we um, have a crop of uh, new American oak whiskey barrels that we bought from one of the one of the tunneliers or barrel makers that a lot of the bourbon distillers use we take things that aren't meant to be aged in bourbon barrels and do experiments and age them in them and if they're good we serve them to the guests uh, most recently our big successes have been uh, Sombra Mezcal is delicious with some uh, whiskey barrel aging as is uh, Belvedere Vodka. Whole different character for the vodka. For it's sure. Completely, but completely delicious. And Bowles, um, uh, Bowles Damrak Gin, which is an old Dutch style of gin. And that came out fantastically as well. All right. That's all at Miller's Guild. At the bar, you've got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can live there at Miller's Guild at the Hotel Max. I uh, want to thank Jake Casa for joining me for Butcher's Block Sundays. Uh, stick around. i got Julian, Julian Perry coming up next on Happy Hour Radio. The home of the great one, Mark Levin, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Uh, pleased to have my friend Jake Kossif chatting about uh, Butcher Block Sundays over at Miller's Guild, uh, making me hungry, and thank goodness he brought uh, fabulous wine, the Evening Land Wines from Burgundy. It's the 2010 Chardonnay, the 2010 Pinot Noir uh, from Fancy Villages, uh, and Jake will tell you all about it. But right now, I've got uh, Julene Perry, who is a, a culinary media mogul and uh, an entrepreneur extraordinaire, Julian, Julene. Julene, welcome to Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. I know my name's a tough one because it is actually spelled Julian, 
but yeah, it's Juline. It's Juline, and I like that. It's uh, it's very uh, model sexy kind of like. Oh, hey, you get that? Yeah, <laughs> thank you. That's it. Well, um, happy to have you here. Let's talk about uh, how you got into the whole culinary scene. <clears throat> it's kind of a long story. Um, I was in broadcast journalism for a long time. What school? Actually, uh, University of Washington. Woo-hoo! So Let's I go dogs. Majored in broadcast journalism. Um, not really sure why. I don't. Uh, I'd never really had any aspirations of being in that field, um, but uh, I did. I started. I started out right after I graduated from college, working in newsrooms. So I actually worked at Cairo and Como. I worked at CBS in New York. Um, at some point, I wanted to start my own espresso shop at the time this was like the 90s when coffee was getting really huge in I remember Seattle coffee. and so i would take my break so this was when i was working at coma radio and i would take like an hour long break every morning and me and a coworker of mine we would just go and we would check out all of these new coffee shops and it just kind of became this obsession of mine so in 2000 i quit my job started an espresso catering business so basically it was kind of the low overhead solution to opening a coffee shop. So I just needed a truck and a cart. And so I got that, and I would just go around and setting up coffee carts at different events. Um, having had worked in the newsroom, I became kind of chummy with Tom O'Keefe, who had just moved Tully's, his coffee shop, into the old Rainier Brewery. And I asked if I could go cover that for Cairo Radio at the time, got to meet Tom, and then when I was leaving, I called him and said, hey, I'm starting this espresso catering business. Do you have any need for mobile espresso? And he hooked me up with his marketing department, and I, within probably a month, I started doing all of these big auctions and stuff, which anything that totally oh, yeah. sponsored. So anything like the Weston or the Sheraton, and there were always these auctions going on, and he would have me set up in the lobby serving his coffee. So I did that for about six months, and then this is like a crazy story. I don't think this would ever happen today, but this was like two early 2000s, and I had been doing these coffee carts for Tully's for about a year or so. And I was working part-time trying to make ends meet at uh, Fred Hutch Cancer Research Center. And I emailed Oren Smith, who was like second in command at Starbucks at the time. And I emailed him and said, hi, you don't know me, but I have this business and I, this is what I do for Tully's. Is there any way that I could do that for Starbucks? And within 24 hours, <laughs> I got an email from their business alliance department. And the next thing you know, I was meeting with district managers and, you know, getting my names. I mean, the way it kind of worked is if somebody called Starbucks and said, hey, we want to use your coffee at this event, that call would come to me. And I would be able to do these mobile carts. So at some point, I had like four carts and, you know, different people working for me. And then, um, long story short, I got super burned out after about five years. Over-roasted? I did, yes. Because it was, it was actually a lot of physical labor, like, you know, driving this big truck and setting up all these espresso carts. And I was kind of this one-woman show. And I just, I, uh, I didn't have any fun doing it anymore. So I sold it and I thought, you know what? I kind of want to be a pastry chef. That sounds really fun to me because at the time I was doing the pastries and stuff for these coffee events and baking all the time in my house. So I sold my company to Espresso Elegance, which is still operating. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. They're kind of the big coffee catering company in Seattle. And then I used that money to put myself through the Art Institute, did the baking and pastry program there. Um, while I was working, I was... Um, In journalism still? Yeah, I was. um, So when I left 
between the time I left Cairo Radio um, and start and sold my business, my old boss at Cairo Radio had become the news director for Como, and so I needed a job to just help me pay my rent. And so he was nice enough to let me work one day a week. He kind of just created this BS job for me just to keep me in the newsroom. <laughs> so I was going to the Art Institute, working one day a week in the Como newsroom and working at Rover's. So I got to do the pastries and work with their pastry chef. And I did that for about a year. And then at some point, I came to my boss and said, you know what? I'm working in this really cool restaurant. Nobody in the newsroom has ever heard of Rovers. Like, how is that even possible? This was, at the time, like, you know, the premier fine dining restaurant in Seattle. But, of course, everybody had heard of Tom Douglas. So I said, I propose a radio show where I am just going out and interviewing chefs, getting to know their story. Because working in the kitchen, you hear about really cool stuff that all these people are doing. And I thought, well, this kind of makes sense. So he let me do that. I did it for six years. I did it from 2004 to 2010. And literally doing that little radio show that aired on weekends on Como Radio. Hmm, sounds that familiar. led to everything. All of a sudden, people were contacting me and asking, do you want to, you know, do you want to write something for Seattle Weekly? Or I think that was like my next job. I remember interviewing for the position of food editor for Seattle Magazine, um, in 2006, and this was really having no writing experience. I mean, I had, I had the broadcast journalism writing, but writing for a newscast is very different than writing for a magazine or really any other publication. True. But it was kind of interesting. So I uh, applied for that job in 2006, did not get it. I should not have gotten it. I was not qualified. But come 2014, <laughs> that position became available again as the food and dining editor of Seattle Magazine, and I did get it this time because I had a good, you know, seven years of having you know, the, the opportunity to work for publications like Seattle Weekly and Eater Seattle. I was the editor for there for about 15 months, and, you know, so I don't know. I just feel like that that one radio feature I did um, sort of snow was a snowball effect, and it kind of... Um, gave me the opportunity to write for a bunch of local publications, which it was weird because I've never really wanted to write for a living. That was never my intention. I've never considered myself a good writer. It's very stressful for me having to sit down and write about like a restaurant. Check. Yeah, but it's just not something that just comes natural. I'm I'm much happier like being hands-on with stuff mm. or even being on TV, I think, is way easier than writing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they got to stand uh, there and look pretty. Yeah. Um, which you certainly could do. Speaking with Julene Perry, who, um, your title now is, are you you working for Seattle Magazine? No, not anymore. I left in November, so I'm kind of full on with this uh, side project I have called the One Night Only Project, which has actually become only. my full-time job. Interesting. So I wanted to segue back, as you said, uh, this, this radio show helped you snowball into uh, what you're doing now, but as a pastry chef, did you ever make snowballs? No. <laughs> they should be coming back. I mean, hostess can't have the <laughs> corner of the market on snowballs. <laughs> I agree. No, I don't know if I've had uh, another variety besides hostess. Yes. Uh, well, there's uh, an opportunity. Challenge the big ones. And I liked how you went from uh, Tully's to Starbucks. What, what, what well, I was doing both. Were, yeah. Oh, really? I was doing both simultaneously. So depending on who gave me the gigs, whose coffee I would use. Ah, I so. see. Makes I, sense. And then I did the training. So I worked. I had worked at Starbucks prior for like eight months while I was working in the radio business just to kind of see what it would be like. Um, but I did the whole, I went through the whole Do you whole still training. have a green apron? Yes, actually. I just moved and I found that. I packed it. 
I don't think that's the kind of thing you can give away. I don't know who would want that. Well, it's probably with me forever. Well, Technically, I, I was supposed to give it back. October 31st, you can always wear one. <laughs> <laughs> if you're the, lacking a costume. The lamest Halloween costume ever. No, I don't know about the lamest, <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited to learn about this One Night Only project. So um, it's called One Night Only. How do people yeah. find a, is it? A, is it a website? Yeah, onoproject.com. Is like the website O N O N O stands for One Night Only Project dot com. So that's the website. So Ono Project dot com, yeah. not Yoko Ono Project dot com. Nope, and not a pol- Apollo Ono Project dot com. Oh right, yeah, he's around still, isn't <laughs> he? He is around. Uh, yes. Well, um, we're excited to taste it. Do you and you do these chef events, right? We're going to tease our, our our listeners about what the One Night Only means. Mm-hmm. So it's basically we get a chef to cook something, a menu that is available for one night only. Mm. Sounds delicious. Now, do you have uh, wine and, and spirits yep. and all that? Yep. And, and how do you find these uh, these places where you set up shop? Um, well, we have been. Well, the, we started this in 2012. My business partner and I, uh, Melissa Peterman, and we were both kind of looking for something fun to do. I was freelancing. She was in between jobs, and we kind of just got drunk at Elliot's. And uh, we're like, what can we do together? We have all these connections. Let's pool our connections and do something fun. And we were going to do this thing where we promoted up-and-coming chefs like sous chefs. And this was like 2009 before everybody was kind of doing these things, like these pop-ups. Pop-ups weren't a thing back then. They're everywhere now. But So that kind of uh, eventually manifested into, you know what, we could probably actually make more money if we got chefs that people have heard of. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Hold people, that thought. Yes. Hold that thought. I like it. Uh, you, this whole business plan is, is starting to, to materialize in a positive way. So speaking with Julene Perry, who is uh, one of the partners of the Ono Project, O-N-O Project.com. That's one night only. Um, when we come back from this break, we're going to chat about some of the great chefs she's had on and some of the events she's got coming up. So uh, go to your computers now during this break and check out Ono Project, one night only project.com. Stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. He's live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to three, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I have Julene Perry, who is uh, the partner for One Night Only Project. That's a, a super cool chef night. Uh, Julene, tell us about some of the cool chefs you've got and how the whole evening works. Yeah, so basically we approach a chef or a chef will come to us, and the whole goal is that they create a menu that you can't get in their restaurant. So maybe so maybe they're um, previewing a menu before they open a restaurant. Or maybe, they're, you know, Mike Easton, who's known for his pasta at El Corvo, he was dying to do a New Mexican menu for us. So it's always something a little off. So, Not a New Mexico menu, a New Mexican menu. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so like... Uh, what was well, I don't remember what he made, but just like enchiladas and like it was just it was insane. It was so good, like, but something you would not expect him to make. Um, so our very first one was uh, a preview dinner for Ethan Stoll's restaurant Rione before it opened in 2012. Is it called uh, Rione? Rione 13. All right. Yeah. 
Um, and so the chef there came and we had it in somebody's private home. So the, for, the, for the first two years, we would have all of our dinners, which were monthly, at a different location. And that was supposed to be part of the appeal. But also, we didn't have a place. And we don't have a budget well, for a it. venue. I like spinning <laughs> like, it. We have no money, but will you please let us use your space for a dinner? And we actually somehow pulled that off for a couple of years. Um, but now we've been having all of our dinners um, this past year at uh, Mallet Construction and Design, which is you know a construction and design firm in Soto, right above Esquin. Which, by the way, I, I swear every single time I pull up, I see you. You are like either pulling away from Esquin or getting into your car or like walking into the wine shop. Esquins uh, are great people. They're my partners in a couple of ventures I, I produce. And uh, it's fun to see you. And that's how we got to here. Yeah, yeah. But it's like sometimes I, I don't know. I feel like, okay, now it's getting weird because I see you all the time there. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm not even going to say hi. It's, it's so strange. Oh, don't be that way. Give the, the Seattle freeze. <laughs> Is that what it's going to yes, be? Well, let's talk um, about one night only. So yeah. you've got the uh, you do the events upstairs. We it's do a beautiful them room, great windows, um, Lots long of tables. Light. So you bring everything. You bring in the plates, the cups, the the glasses. Yeah, the... we do it all. Uh, the tables and chairs are there. They give us free reign of their kitchen. Um, but yeah, we kind of bring everywhere. We basically set up a small dining room and break it down within 24 hours. So. Break it down. Yeah, so the chef comes. He's responsible. He or she is responsible for bringing the product and doing all the cooking. We do everything else. Um, and then we will usually partner with a winery. Oh, and that's cool. kind of how it works. And it's. Do you have a calendar yeah. up on the website? We should, <laughs> but we do not. We tend to plan these things really you know, three to four weeks out. So we do know our next event, though, which is going to be uh, the last Sunday in May, May 31st, the pastry chef at Mam Noon is going to be doing oh. a high tea. So it's going to be our first brunch concept. Oh, and so it's going to be it's going to take place at Mam Noon. And uh, we might have a couple of seatings. But, um, yeah, the menu that she created, her name is Claire Gordon. And uh, before Mam Noon, she was at Aragona and then Ava Jeans in Portland before that. So we're pretty excited. That yeah. sounds fabulous, and I like how you've um, branched out. to The brunch idea is, is a very daring concept, but people love brunch. I and mean, It's one of those times you go out, you can relax, yeah. spend some time over some good food, have some conversation. Yep. And uh, so, so you bring in a winery. Do you have a who? What we're winery actually, do you have? We're actually going to be doing a tea pairing with this. We'll probably have, I mean, we will have bubbles and some wine, but I think the focus is going to be tea pairings instead of alcohol. Um, so we're just going to kind of see how that goes. And it also, because the price point is going to be quite a bit lower than what our dinners usually are, this will be a good way for people to experience Ono. If Test they were, it. yeah, if they were a little, you know, unsure about do I want to, because, you know, we, our tickets are 150 to 175. And I can only imagine that if you have not come to these dinners, you're like, is it, is it worth it? I will tell you, it's more wine and food than you can stomach. You, it is it is a bang for your buck. The value is great. So, but this will be this will be nice to uh, just sort of be another option for people who kind of want to get their foot in the door. So that date is May thirty first. Yep. Um, how do we find? How do you get tickets? So they will probably go on sale next week, and uh, we put it all over our Facebook page, social media, the heck out of it. But our tickets are also available on our website, so onoproject.com. Onoproject.com. Yep. And how many dinners have you done so far? Let's see. We've been doing about one a month since 
June of 2012. All right. So quite a few. That's great. Uh, Julene Perry, the uh, partner of One Night Only Project, coming up uh, May 31st, you have a brunch, so one yep. morning only. Uh, so happy to have you on Happy Hour <laughs> thank Radio. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, I want to thank Jake Kossoff, who is a partner at Miller's Guild, and uh, of course, Julene Perry, the One Night Only Project, for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Uh, uh, if you have any questions uh, to ask our guests or to ask me, send us an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. And if you got a Twitter handle, uh, keep tweeting. We've got Happy HR Radio, at Happy HR Radio. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can go to our website, happyhourradio.net, to find uh, all of our guests and uh, past shows. And remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers.